0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
2: Saturday, July 2nd, 2022. I'm Jared Halpern making sense of the midterms we look at what the summer primaries tell us about the fall elections republicans
3: have the edge and you're seeing the energy in that party i'm kevin cork if you follow politics closely chances are by now you've probably heard of the so-called trump effect Which is to say that when former President Trump throws his support behind a GOP candidate, well, you can just about take it to the bank. They'll win the race they're in.
1: There's so many millions of people who came to the Republican Party because of the message and the policies, uh, the America First policies that President Trump put in place.
2: This is the Fox News Rundown from Washington. History and math. Those two subjects are the biggest predictors in election forecasting. History tells us this. Midterm elections are usually not kind to the party of the sitting president. Going back to the Truman presidency, the president's party loses, on average, about 29 House seats two years after being elected. In 2010, two years after the election of President Obama, Republicans flipped 63 seats. Democrats flipped 41 seats in 2018, two years after the election of President Trump. Now the math... Simply, Republicans don't need to have years anything like those or even the average to win control of the House of Representatives. Right now, Democrats hold a slim majority in the House, 220 to 210. Republicans need a net of less than 10 to win an outright majority. The Senate, even slimmer. 35 of the 100 seats are on the ballot. If Republicans win just one more than Democrats, that would flip control in what is now a 50-50 divided chamber, with Democrats often relying on the tie-breaking vote of Vice President Kamala Harris. So that's the history and the math. Now comes current events and for that i'm joined by the co-anchor of america's newsroom bill hemmer who spends plenty of election nights crunching the data at the big board picking up on what voters are saying is there sort of a theme that's emerged from every state that that you've sort of picked up on yeah
0: jared hey good to be with you good to be back with you i'd say the one thing that stands out the most is turnout now, in a primary season, you're not going to get the results that you the, the volume, I should say, that you would normally get in a regular election, and certainly not in a presidential year. Uh, these numbers are significantly lower, I would argue, in some cases and in some states and some races. However, uh, Republicans have the edge, and you're seeing the energy on in that party in turnout after turnout and vote after vote whether that stands up to november we'll see but it makes republicans feel pretty good about what they're doing
2: we're also getting a sense of sort of what's driving votes and it, it, i think this is true both republicans and democrats um, it, it, it's the economy right it's sort of What what is motivating them to to get out?
0: Yeah. uh, Inflation is a huge topic, uh, especially for these Republican candidates. You hear them talk about it all the time. Uh, It's almost as if they're all reading from the same sheet of music, Jared. And I think in some cases they probably are. But inflation, the economy, etc., they are big topics.
2: The particular races are going to matter. And in those tight races, particularly in the Senate, uh, the candidates are going to matter. And, it, it, you know, you don't have to talk to uh, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell very long for for him to sort of continue to look back and name some candidates and some races from a few years ago who he thinks probably shouldn't have been the the Republican standard bearers. Mm -hmm. And maybe the the fortunes of the Republican Senate uh, would have been different. Um, He is watching a lot of these races very closely. Um, And in some cases, you may have a uh, sort of establishment McConnell type uh, Republican up against a a Trump endorsed uh, Republican. Uh, how are those races playing out? Uh, the the few that we've yeah. seen so far. Uh,
0: g- great question. Um, Josh Kroshauer was with us in America's Newsroom with Dana and me. Uh, he he made a great point. Um, I asked him, "What's more important now? Is it the message or the messenger?" And he said, "Right now, the messenger has to carry the message." You get that? Um, Mm -hmm. I I can understand that. That means the candidate has to be solid. And what I think Republicans have been doing this cycle is they've been going for the best candidate. It reminds me of what Democrats were able to do in 2018. They went out and drafted a lot of members of the U.S. military. Um, They had great backgrounds. Uh, There were substantial resumes. And they did rather well in uh, the second year into President Trump's term. And Republicans are doing that right now. at some of these uh, races in Virginia from last night on Tuesday night. Jen Kiggins has a very impressive resume. Uh, She was victorious in the Congressional District 2, which is around the Virginia Beach area, southeastern part of the state, heavy military uh, population. She has a military background. She's a Navy helicopter pilot. Uh, Today, she's a nurse practitioner, a mother of four. Very impressive resume. Will be a strong candidate in a district where Republicans think they can flip it. Uh, And that's it's also true in Congressional District Number Seven. Uh, yes, Lee Vega. Uh, her parents are from El Salvador. They came here as immigrants, fleeing a country that had a bad and corrupt government. Uh, Vega has a law enforcement background. She was a county supervisor in Prince William County, which is a highly populated, as you know, Jared, in the Washington, D.C. area, a highly populated area. And so, she's going to make a very good contest with Abigail Spanberger, who has, for the past two election cycles, barely won in her old district, uh, District 7, which was down around Richmond, Virginia. Because of redistricting, they took that district and moved it a little more north, which which would favor her, by the way. If, if you look at the mm-hmm. demographics for that district, um, it is plus six or plus seven in favor of Democrats. But it's also the same district where Glenn Youngkin won this past November. Uh, and he won it by five points, I do believe, if memory serves. Yeah, part so, of the county, I, but, yeah. Yeah, so th- th- a, this is the kind of... swingy
2: <laughs> area. Yeah,
0: and this is the kind of data, Jared, that a lot of, you know, these the, the politicos dive into to try and get a yeah. read for what you can expect in November.
2: Yeah, at the same time, you know, I know that there's been some questions about, you know, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, um, about uh, J.D. Vance in Ohio... Um, those were not necessarily the first choices for, for some uh, conservatives, for some even establishment Republicans. Um, have you heard for, from Republican strategists about how they feel about those Senate races? Those are two races that, you know, would be holds for Republicans. No, they're not even talking flips.
0: Yeah, um, I, I from what I'm hearing, they feel very good about both. And part of the reason they do is because of the current climate, given the economy, mm-hmm. given inflation that you mentioned a few moments ago um given the gas prices uh, I, I remember, this goes back to April, I believe, Fred Smiths, the former CEO of FedEx, he just recently stepped down and became the chairman. He was on with Brett Baer at 6 o'clock in Special Report. And Brett was asking him questions about the economy, what he was seeing out there, what's to be expected, et cetera. And if you're chairman of FedEx, you know what commerce is traveling and what people are buying and what they're not buying, what you're shipping and what you're not shipping. It gives you a real measure of the economy. And toward the end of the interview, Brett asked him somewhat of a political question, he sidestepped it. He said, I'm not going to answer it, but I'll tell you this. I remember being in the Oval Office and Barack Obama told me, if you want to know what my approval rating is, just look at the price of gasoline in America. The two numbers are directly correlated with each other. And this is some of the fierce headwinds that Joe Biden is seeing today. It's the reason why the recent polling have them going lower and lower. Uh, in his approval rating. It's because of the economy, and people are not happy with it.
2: Well, that has been the case in so many elections, to your point, Bill, and will be a driving uh, force as we look forward now to uh, the midterms. Appreciate all of your data, all of your insight. We'll uh, continue to have these conversations, because uh, we still got a few more months of this before we do. folks go to the yeah. polls. Thank you, Jared. Good to be with you.
3: If you follow politics closely, chances are by now you've probably heard of the so-called Trump effect, which is to say that when the former president throws his support behind a GOP candidate, well, you can just about take it to the bank, they'll win the race they're in. And while that's not always the case, something we've seen more of during this election cycle, it's still something worth pursuing, especially if you want to win a GOP race. And that's just one of the many data points driving what many observers believe will be a red wave on Capitol Hill come November. When Republican Myra Flores won her congressional race in South Texas, she became the first GOP candidate to claim the district in the heavily Hispanic South part of the state, a victory that sent shockwaves across the political spectrum, serving as both a template for victory for Republicans and perhaps more notably, a stern
1: warning for Democrats. There's no doubt that President Trump continues to be a strong, uh, influential uh, force in our party.
3: Paris Denard is a political strategist and the RNC's national spokesperson who spent years tracking voting trends with a particular focus on the GOP, minority
1: outreach and the Trump effect on races across the country. Uh, Because if you go back to what he was able to do uh, in terms of growing the party, diversifying the party, uh, making us uh, the party of the working class, the middle class, uh, there's so many millions of people who came to the Republican Party because of the message and the policies Uh, The America first policies that President Trump put in place. And so when it comes to these different candidates that he's been endorsing across the country, uh, and he has over a 95% success rate, uh, thus far, uh, Republican voters and quite frankly, Democrat and independent voters who are looking at these different candidates Look to President Trump's endorsement and say, you know what, if he's endorsing uh, someone that is going to carry out the successful, inclusive agenda that he had while he was president, then that could be someone that I want to support. So we, are, we think as the Republican National Committee that uh, the Republican voters are going to ultimately make up their, their minds for themselves and who best to serve. But we certainly appreciate the work that President Trump has done to continue to engage not only with the RNC, but also with the grassroots supporters, keeping them engaged, keeping them involved so that you can see tremendous results like we've seen in places like uh, the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas.
3: Yeah, that's exactly a great point to make, in particular when you consider the district down there. Of course, uh, Paris and I are speaking of Republican Myra Flores. She beat the Democrat there, Dan Sanchez, uh, to represent the 34th Congressional District in Texas. Uh, She's the first GOP candidate in that area, Paris, uh, to represent that area since 1870. She's also the first U.S. Congresswoman to be born in Mexico. And I mention her because she's in a district, uh, Paris, that's like 85 percent Hispanic. And to flip that district from blue to red is not only historic, it is eye opening and it could be fear inducing for Democrats. What say you?
1: I think Democrats right now are running scared at the tremendous inroads that the Republican National Committee is making across the country under the leadership of Ronna McDaniel. When you look at uh, the success of Myra Flores, who is going to be sworn in as a United States Congresswoman uh, uh, this evening, uh, Tuesday evening, uh, it is a, it is a testament to the work of so many people who are working to expand our party, get these candidates out of these primaries and and elected. It. But it's also a testament to how intentional uh, the Republican National Committee has been. Uh, when you look at the fact that we have over thirty. Republican National Committee community centers in the black community, Hispanic community, Asian Pacific American community, Jewish community, and even the Native American community. It shows that we are serious about minority engagement. We also have this new uh, thing we call RCI, which is the Republican civics initiative, where we are utilizing our uh, community engagement coordinators across the country through our community centers and actually helping to uh, uh, train and, and give the, the, the lesson plans to help uh, legal residents here study for the civics portions of their uh, exam to become naturalized citizens, because we believe that people want to become U.S. citizens and we want to be the party of legal immigration. And so for these American people who want to become full American citizens, the Republican National Committee is going to be there to help them pass their civics tests, And so we're intentional on our engagement. And I think Democrats are running scared for a few reasons. One, because they know the economy under the Biden-Harris administration is terrible and it's disproportionately impacting uh, minorities, the middle class and seniors on fixed incomes. And two, the strategic engagement that we're having at a nationwide effort uh, to bring in new people uh, into our party. Uh, Democrats don't know what to do. But run scared. Uh, But Republicans know what to do. And that's continue to engage, continue to help win elections and continue to show up on Election Day to uh, retire Nancy Pelosi once and for all.
3: Interesting nuggets, too, when you consider that President Trump, despite the loss in 2020, really turned out. Incredibly strong Hispanic support, relatively speaking, for a Republican candidate. And I think you also touched on something else, but before I sort of circle back on that, I want to uh, share this uh, interesting quote the uh, Latino organization Bienvenido in Action. Uh, really went after the president and the Democrats uh, for what they called reckless and unpopular policies. Um, This was a really tough uh, quote from their organization. It said, by electing Republican Myra Flores to Congress, Hispanics are telling the rest of the country that we are fed up with reckless liberal policies and want change. The statement reads, it goes on to say, Myra won because she ran a campaign rooted in our community's values, God, family, and country. Uh, On the flip side of that, you probably heard Rodolfo Rosales of uh, LULAC. He's the uh, Texas State Director of LULAC. That's probably the oldest uh, Latino civil rights group in the U.S. He said, listen, one election is not going to dictate whether or not we're moving toward the GOP or moving against it. But I do think the polling that I've read, and and I'm sure you've seen similar numbers, really seem to be reflecting Paris A real interesting shift here. I think for the longest time, Democrats, at least at the national level sort of felt like, listen, we have a pretty good stronghold on the African-American vote. We have a pretty sizable stronghold on the Hispanic vote. As long as their numbers grow organically and through immigration, that will make us stronger. That will turn Texas purple and eventually blue, and it's over. But I think what you're noticing, and even if we didn't look at uh, Myra Flores' election, uh, I can point to to a poll I just saw, the Quinnipiac survey, It said President Biden's performance among Hispanics was at just 24 percent. This could be a real switch and a sea change politically that could have massive impact, not just in the state of Texas, but all across the country, Paris.
1: Kevin, you're absolutely right, and I think the Lulac person was mistaken to think that this is only an isolated incident with Myra Flores, because you can point to the fact that uh, we recently elected a, a Republican mayor of McAllen, Texas, which is uh, down in southern Texas as well, and Good you point. can point to you can point to other examples of, of flipping seats in California outside of Texas that we had with Mike Garcia, with Young Kim, with Michelle Park Steele. You know, so the 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 party is is diversifying and changing. Uh, And and it's a good thing to see these diverse candidates not only put their name in the hat to run for office, but also to uh, win outright in these different primaries that we're seeing. We've seen hundreds of minority Republicans running for office, and we're seeing them come as vic- victoriously out of these primaries. And the road to November in the midterm elections is, and, and, and the, the attempt to retire Nancy Pelosi and get rid of Chuck Schumer and his leadership role is going to be won because of the fact that minority Republicans are running and winning and so when you add to that the poll numbers, when you add to that the horrible policies like the open border, the rise in crime because of the defund the police movement. And when you also add into it the high gas prices, the baby food formula shortage, as well as the uh, inflation that's impacting so many people, all of these things together creates what, what I think is a great opportunity for people to look at the political landscape and say, are the Democrats serving me and my family well? Am I better served? Is my family, my community better served with Democrats in power like they had in in that community for so many years? Or or can I be willing uh, to vote for a Republican and give them a shot at representing me to have the change that my family, my community needs to have a more prosperous opportunity to live the American dream. Many more are coming over to the Republican side because they look at what happened under President Trump, working with congressional Republicans to get things done. And they see what's happening when Democrats control the House, the Senate and the White House and their agenda just ain't working.
3: Yeah, and I think a lot of what we're observing in conversations here in Washington, and again, as I sort of travel across the country, is there's a misalignment often uh, between some of these communities and the generally, let's just say, advertised values perhaps by the National Party. And Democrats on the local level say, hey, listen, you don't have to buy everything we're selling. Uh, We can get along for 80-20, but I do think it's becoming more challenging, especially when you're talking about a difficult economy. And you're going to hear names, obviously, we're familiar with Winsome over in Virginia, uh, Mm -hmm. the uh, great state of Virginia. She's the uh, lieutenant governor there, but people like Herschel Walker running, a lot of good, strong Asian GOP candidates running, and successfully so in the state of California. So things are getting interesting. But if I could, for just a second, uh, Paris, turn it back to President Trump. Yes. He's had some powerful endorsements. Dr. Oz, for example, uh, you mentioned Myra. Uh, Even in the state of Alabama, uh, the president's still holding sway. His endorsements do matter. I don't think anybody could argue that. However, the Trump effect may not be what it once was. Uh, We saw what happened with the gubernatorial race in the great state of Georgia. And we've seen other instances where uh, despite the fact that the president put his thumb on the scales, I think it was over in North Carolina we saw an example of that, it doesn't always work out, uh, which is not to say that that's necessarily a bad thing for the party, but I'm just curious, knowing now that every time he makes an endorsement, that may or may not you know, push your party over the finish line with respect to victory, but when he does, is that a message the party wants? Because I do think there are a lot of people who still worry and wonder is he a net negative in some areas that are important, say among suburban moms? What do you think?
1: I think when you look at the fact that uh, in Georgia specifically, uh, and our chairman Ronnie McDaniel said it best, she goes, "There are people in Georgia who love President Trump who also love Governor Kemp, <laughs> and they voted mm. for Governor Kemp uh, to fun. be there to to be the nominee to be uh, governor again." And so, when you look at uh, what President Trump is doing with his endorsements. You know, ultimately, the people are going to decide for themselves as to whom they think is going to be the best representative of them in the halls of Congress or in the Senate or, you know, or at the State House. But President Trump's endorsement is important and it is effective. And we look at it this way at the RNC. If people are going to look at President Trump's endorsement and and think to themselves, what does that endorsement mean? What is behind it? What is the agenda? And the agenda is one where we can have the opportunity to do a contrast, a contrast of vision, a contrast of policies. And we can say President Trump's endorsement is that he is wanting someone who's going to put forth the America First agenda who's going to be supporting small businesses, who's going to be looking out for the little guy, the middle class, the blue collar worker, which is the majority of our party now, who's going to be uh, doing things that's going to make us more energy independent in our own country, who's not? Who's going to support the Keystone Pipeline, who's not going to be pushing things like the funding of the police, who's not going to have policies that are going to continue to uh, increase in, uh, inflation. And it's certainly not going to be someone who is wanting to, a, a call for minor incursions overseas that we saw uh, President Biden do. The Democrat agenda is not working for the American people. And to your earlier point, it I believe this it's best said this way, Kevin, the Democrats are just out of touch. When you see gas prices the way they are across the country impacting literally everyone, and the, the refrain out of the Biden-Harris White House is, you should just either drive less or spend thousands of dollars on an electric vehicle, you're missing the moment. You're you're not where the people want you to be because your policies put us in this this predicament. And the American people through President Trump's endorsement are saying, we want people who will carry out that type of agenda that reduced taxes, that led to uh, record unemployment across the board, and certainly had closed borders and kept us safe.
3: In the minute that we have left or so, not a terrible, uh, terribly great amount of time. I apologize. I got a little excited there, but I do <laughs> want to get your take on uh, the, the House. And uh, I think by most estimations, the GOP should have a fairly decent chance at uh, wrestling the House back from Democrats. In fact, uh, here in Washington, if they're laying odds, the odds are very, very good. Uh, if that happens, I guess a two-part question, how would the GOP make that happen? How will you go about... Uh, taking control of the House and potentially all of Congress. But the second part of the question uh, for you, Paris, is what do you do once you get that power? Do we spend a lot of time uh, here in Washington talking about things and rehashing things, or do we in here in Washington finally get our lawmakers to, I don't know, for lack of a better description, break out and make things happen? And I've seen a lot of gridlock here. Can the GOP break that? What do you think?
1: Look, we believe at the RNC that we are going to have the necessary resources because of our donors or investors that are going to help us uh, get these candidates across the finish line, especially those in the, these House races. Uh, we're going to see new faces in Congress, people like Wesley Hunt out of Texas coming to Congress ready to lead, ready for action. Because if you go back to where how things were when President Trump was in office working with congressional Republicans, and quite frankly, Kevin, working with congressional Democrats to get things done in bipartisan uh, in a bipartisan fashion, that's exactly what the American people demand. But it's not what they're seeing right now. We saw the Democrats walk away from uh, for police reform. We've seen them walk away from a whole bunch of other issues that just are unacceptable. We want to have people that understand that you have to walk the walk and talk the talk. And that is what Republicans are ready to do. We're ready to lead. We're ready to go back to the way things were when we when we had a Republican in the White House where we were working together and getting things accomplished for the American people. And that's what's gonna happen when Republicans take control. And and here's the proof in the pudding, Kevin. Look at what Republican governors are doing right now. Republican governors are leading when it comes to recovery. We're leading when it comes to jobs, creations, and leading when it comes to having record low unemployment. When you look for examples of leadership that works, you can look towards Republican governors right now. And that's what the American people are going to point to. And so we're going to make sure we get these candidates, the necessary resources, the data, the boots on the ground through our GOTV work, through our community centers that we have so that we can win this election in the midterms. and get our country back on the right track. Could
3: be looking at a red wave come November, but of course, a lot of time between now and then, and a lot could happen. Paris Denard, always a pleasure to spend time with you. We thank you for spending time with us today, and the next time you head out to Pepperdine, be sure to give me a call. Beautiful country out there.
1: I sure will, Kevin. Good to talk to you. you.
2: Tomorrow on the Fox News Rundown from Washington, our look at the upcoming midterms continues and how those results this November could shape the field of presidential hopefuls in 2024. Until then, I'm Jared Halpern. Thanks for listening to the Fox News Rundown from Washington.